Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM, Progress After Dark. I'm John saying, Welcome to Tell Me Everything. We hope you are great. If you're live, we're at 866-997-4748. If you're just listening as a podcast, you can always write us at johnfugelsang.com or at the show's Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you guys as well. We love getting your tweets when we're live. We read them on the air. The more uh, vicious and cunning, uh, the more likely we'll read them. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer. He has been for quite a while now running this show from South Carolina. And not just because he's a good family man. He's been down in South Carolina. He, he likes Confederate cosplay on weekends, and we like to indulge him what he needs. Uh, the grown-up in the room is Thea Harper. She is our associate producer running this thing from Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. And tonight, what a show we've got. Um, We are celebrating the 40th anniversary of the band Madness releasing the single Our House. We're going to be taking your calls all night long at 866-997-4748. In a few minutes, we're going to have a panel with uh, our good friends, comedian Joey Novick and the brilliant mind behind decoding Fox News, Julia Jeske, who had an election night thread about Fox News's emotional Kubler-Ross stages from joy to bargaining, to anger, to denial, to acceptance that we are going to dip into just a bit this evening. Again, our number, 866-997-4748. Let's do a show. I want to talk to you about Donald Trump suing to block a subpoena to the House January 6th committee that was issued to force him to testify next week. He did this in a federal court in West Palm Beach, and he's now turning to the courts to preserve his rights and executive branch independence Consistently upheld by the courts and endorsed by the Department of Justice, his lawyers wrote. He, however, uh, is not the executive branch anymore. And again, it's important. We, we can't let the fact that Trump is a big loser this week distract us from the fact that he's still a crook this week and every week. But if you'll indulge me, I'm not going to talk about Trump for a couple of minutes because today's Veterans Day and it's the 100th birthday of Kurt Vonnegut. Now, Veterans Day originally was known as, you probably know, Armistice Day, um, federal holiday here in the U.S., one of my favorites, honoring military veterans of our armed forces, anyone who was discharged under conditions other than dishonorable. You don't necessarily have to have served in combat. And it coincides with Armistice Day and Remembrance Day, which are celebrated in other countries that mark the anniversary of the end of World War I. That's how Veterans Day began. You know, the main hostilities of World War I were officially stopped at the 11th hour of the 11th day 
of the 11th month in 1918. That's when the armistice with Germany went into effect. And at the urging of a lot of U.S. veteran organizations, Armistice Day, which symbolized the end of war, which was all about celebrating peace and a cessation of violence, in 1954, Armistice Day was renamed Veterans Day. In his Armistice Day address to Congress, Woodrow Wilson talked about the psychological toll of the war. Hunger does not breed reform. It breeds madness. Coincidentally, Veterans Day and the birthday of the U.S. Marine Corps, that was yesterday, were only one day apart. So that branch of the armed forces usually gets a 96-hour liberty period to celebrate both occasions. Here at a ceremony at Arlington National Cemetery earlier today, Vice President Kamala Harris commemorated Veterans Day. We also remember those who gave their lives for our nation. We remember our service members who have not yet returned and their families. And we reaffirm our commitment to bring home all those missing in action. Veterans represent the best of America. Unwavering courage unmatched talent, and unshakable devotion. You come from every corner of our country, and out of many, you become one, the greatest fighting force in the world. I love this is also the 100th birthday of one of the greatest writers about the subject of war, Kurt Vonnegut, author of Slaughterhouse-Five. And, you know, when it comes to people being able to take war and make the chaos entertaining, gripping drama, interesting thing about Vonnegut, he he was atheist, but he occasionally would go to Unitarian Church. Uh, in his um, work, Palm Sunday, he said he is a Christ-worshipping agnostic. And he once gave a speech to the Unitarian Universalists, and he called himself a Christ-loving atheist. He was always keen to stress he was not a Christian. I think a lot of people can identify with that. And Kurt Vonnegut, you know, people always say he'd be a Democrat, and some Republicans try to claim he'd be one of them. But he, he would be neither. He was a socialist, a hardcore socialist. He thought that was the only way to provide a real substitute for what he called uh, the survival of the fittest social Darwinism in American society. He said socialism would be good for the common man. He was a huge fan of the great Eugene Debs, the legendary socialist and presidential candidate, who said, as long as there is a lower class, I am in it. As long as there is a criminal element, I am of it. As long as there is a soul in prison, I am free. But since it is Veterans Day, which was Armistice Day, and it's the 100th birthday of Kurt Vonnegut, I'd like to share very briefly with you his thoughts on the holiday. All the people of the nations which had fought in the First World War were silenced during the 11th minute of the 11th hour of the Armistice Day, which was the 11th day of the 11th month. It was during that minute in 1918 that millions upon millions of humans stopped butchering one another. I have talked to old men who were on the battlefields during that minute. They have told me in one way or another that the sudden silence was the voice of God. So we still have among us some men who can remember when God spoke clearly to mankind. Armistice Day has become Veterans Day. Armistice Day was sacred. Veterans Day is not. So I will throw Veterans Day over my shoulder. Armistice Day I will keep. I don't want to throw away any sacred things. What else is sacred? Oh, Romeo and Juliet, for instance. And all music is. Kurt Vonnegut, born the 11th of November, 
22. And by the way, while the holiday is called Veterans Day, a lot of times you'll notice they print it with a apostrophe S, uh, and calendars will have it veterans, like the plural, with the apostrophe after the S. Um, a lot of ads do that, too. So I, I looked this up because I wanted to get it right. This is the radio, and I care about my print. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs website says the attributive, no apostrophe, is the right way to spell Veterans Day rather than the possessive case is the official spelling because it is not a day that belongs to veterans. It is a day for honoring all veterans. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Right now, uh, we want to do a post-mortem on the post-midterms with two of our favorite people who uh, we love to get on this show. Julia Jeske is someone who I met as a comic, but she's was doing so much great journalistic work researching and documenting the actions of the Proud Boys a couple years back that put her in a league with a new network of journalists. It totally changed her career and sent her to the Craig Newmark School of Journalism at CUNY, where she got her master's, and now she operates Decoding Fox News. It's on your Twitter. She watches endless hours of bad content like a bleeding saint, so you don't have to. Ms. Jeske, I'm so happy you're still alive after the last four days. It's been rough. <laughs> yeah. How's your sleep been? Not good. It's just like patches, like two hours here or there. <laughs> uh, but you, and yet, and yet I notice you're smiling and laughing. You're not yep. forlorn like most of the Democrats I know who are expected to be wearing a shroud all week and instead are out <laughs> drinking and being oddly happy about things. Yep. Tuesday was fun. You, what surprised uh, you the most? What was the biggest uh, source of pleasure for you? I thought it was going to be much more of a blowout as it would traditionally be, um, given the uh, party in power usually gets hammered, gets just destroyed in the midterms. And because we have inflation and Biden's uh, popularity is low, I I thought it would be a shellacking. And it was not. It was not not at all. I think they underestimated uh, a lot of things. The Republicans did. Oh, well, let's we'll, we will talk about what they underestimated. But let me bring into the conversation our good friend Joey Novick, who is a lawyer and a stand up comic, which makes him twice as shady to law enforcement <laughs> in most communities. He's go. made many appearances. You've seen him on MTV, Comedy Central, Rascals Comedy Hour. This man has opened for everybody from Robert Klein to David Brenner to Lewis Black. And uh, he's been a member of the Flemington, New Jersey Town Council for 15 years. Joey Novick always reminds me that who you vote for in your state and local elections 
elections matters more than who you vote for president. Mr. Novick, happy uh, end of election week, almost. Thank you. Thank you, John, for having me. Nice meeting you, Juliet. It was a uh, really exciting week. You know, you were talking about expectations. I really thought the Republicans were like that guy who, uh, you know, was running the marathon and started celebrating about 10 feet before the finish line. But he didn't see anybody else around him. And he looks to his left and all of a sudden someone passes him by. And, you know, it really was not a horrible thing that happened to Democrats. Um, I do think, however, they will lose control of, of the House, which is, you know, un- unfortunate, but it could have been much, much worse. I mean, no it could have been much, it. much worse. I mean, they, they may still yet pick up an extra seat in the Senate, thereby yeah. rendering Joe Manchin irrelevant to the gods, yeah. which wouldn't yeah. be the worst. Um, you know, there really were... Yeah. It, it, it is amazing to see how happy people are in the face of Kevin McCarthy potentially getting the speaker's gavel. Uh, and I want to get to that later, because as a fan of comedy, I kind of hope he does. Or 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 if it can't be him, I'd love it to be Jim Jordan. But um, I, what were the most wonderful surprises for y'all? For me, like Fetterman winning at one thirty in the morning was a beautiful moment. But South Dakota voting to expand Medicaid, like just overruling all the politicians they send to the legislature and and deciding, no, we want our Obamacare. I mean, we're, we're seeing the first Gen Z uh, citizen ever elected to Congress, Democrat Maxwell Alejandro Frost, who is 25 years old. My producer, Chris, has porn older than, than this candidate. Um, As we all do. <laughs> what were your highlights emotionally? Joey, what was were there any specific uh, moments that that actually made you just well, feel patriotic. I, 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 yeah, I guess being <laughs> patriotic. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in New Jersey, and one of the uh, races that was considered um, very competitive, uh, the New Jersey 7th, which is uh, Congressman Tom Malinowski versus uh, the son of the former governor, Tom Kane. Uh, yes. I was disappointed to see uh, Tom Malinowski lose. Um, early on, it really looked like the numbers were coming in. Um, and that Tom was going to be able to, uh, Malinowski was going to be able to pull it out. But it was a district, you know, again, we, you know, the, the 2020 census, it was a district that was cut for a Republican to win. And the, uh, you know, the DNC, I mean, that kind of threw uh, Malinowski to the curb, unfortunately. Yes. And he could not, uh, the numbers just weren't there for him. So I was disappointed with that. But New Jersey reelected. All of the other Democratic congressmen, we now uh, we still hold a uh, what is it a nine to two or a ten to two advantage in uh, in our congressional delegation, which nice. is uh, very exciting if you're a Democrat. Juliet, I, the headline I keep hearing is um, the Republicans had no idea how much the 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 repeal the the the, op- the killing of Roe v. Wade. The the banning of abortion at the federal level was going to hurt them in this election. But I think the real headline should be they had no idea how much it's going to continue to hurt them at future elections. I mean, is there any way to overstate how much Roe inspired people who normally don't show up for midterms to get out there? Yeah, I mean, I think you're completely right. Uh, They kept leaning on polls and they'd say, well, only 10 percent of voters say it's a a top priority for them. Only 10 percent of voters or 9 percent of voters. Whatever. They'd find these polls and they would put all their weight on them. And I just kept going, I don't know if that's true. And I think especially for Gen Z, for these younger voters who came out in like record breaking numbers, 
it was a huge motivator because this was a right for almost 50 years and now it was taken away from many people about half the country and those people are fed up and they're angry and i i would agree i think this is going to be an issue for many uh elections until there's a major change with that well i thought it'd be kind of fun oh go ahead joe please no no i was gonna say let, let me take the opposite view here um, and I really don't mean to be a spoiled sport with regard to this, because I think it's a very, very important issue. Um, I think in those states that have pretty much put a ban on abortion, um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be an issue there, because I think the majority in those legislatures is Republican. Um, I don't think that that's going to change. I don't think being pro-choice is necessarily going to change in those states. And in the states like New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, you know, uh, again, I I think what the Democrats really need to do once they get in control of Congress and the Senate again is codify Roe into national legislation. Absolutely. That's what they need to do. But I'm not really sure. I mean, I think it's going to be a great talking game. It's going to be a great way to raise money. But I, I would have to wait and see what impact it will actually have. Um, I mean, but, Joe, you, you would you would agree there's people who, who might not have shown up to vote, who did show up to vote because of this issue. I mean, my God, the anti-abortion force is lost in Kentucky, in Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, and I, Kansas. I, you know, and clearly, clearly. These are Christians who want to keep abortion legal, and these are also Republicans who want to keep abortion legal. Well, I would add, too, as somebody who grew up in a red state, um, people did vote for decades on one issue, and that would be abortion. So do not underestimate that at all, because I grew up in Missouri, one of the reddest states in the country, and people in St. Louis, which is 800,000 Catholics, and people would vote specifically just for abortion even oh, when it didn't make any sense even when it's it was the great they would vote for a, they would vote for a mayor based on abortion even when yeah. they knew that that mayor would have no you know say whatsoever over that law changing i mean but, people but are that's why it's a, get very worked up over this issue that's why it inspires me because one of the things that my listeners are sick of hearing me talk about is i, I i'm so inspired by that fact For 40 years in this country, for over 40 years, we've had this ongoing racket of they get Christians to vote against everything Jesus ever talked about by talking about this one thing, abortion, that Jesus never talked about. It is the racket that's been run on conservative Christians, which has made it the racket conservative Christians have run on us. Jesus wasn't against abortion. He was against the death penalty. He was for welcoming the stranger. He was for taking care of the poor and the sick on the national level. But they ignore all that for this abortion thing. And the you're right. It, it, it makes them vote. I mean, white supremacists lost that argument in the late 60s. By the late 70s, they had found this. But there's more of us. The majority of Americans, the vast majority, support women's reproductive freedoms in all or some cases. And the Republican Party finally got so thirsty, they lost their single biggest vote getter and donation machine. Joey, go ahead. No, I I was going to say, look, it it definitely brought out, I think, younger people. Um, When I was the first time I ever voted, I was 18. I voted for... uh, uh, George McGovern in 1972. And I wow. was so proud. To, I was so, that's how old I am. I was so <laughs> proud. I was so proud to be 18 and voting for the first time. And I thought that my generation was going to change America, that 18 to 25 vote. And this is the first election that I've really seen, maybe with Obama also, that that number of people really came out to vote in, in much larger groups than they have in the past. So I hope that they 
do register as Democrats. I hope they vote Democratic. Um, and I hope that number continues to grow because I'm, you know, my generation of the baby boomers, you know, we really shouldn't be controlling the budgets. We really shouldn't be controlling. It really should be leaning much more to young people. Right on. Well, here's what I want to do. Juliet had an amazing thread on Twitter um, the night of uh, Election Day, and I sent it over to to you, Joey, because it was something that I enjoyed immensely. I sent it to my producers. And more or less, um, I want to get the title right, Juliet. How how, how did you officially title this this thread of yours? It's you, you, you watched Fox News all night and you picked one clip from every hour over like nine hours of self abuse to show how they went from jubilation to complete despair. That's basically what I called it. I, I, it was more than one clip per hour. It was actually at several. And then I just whittled it down. And each tweet has like two or three clips. Some have more. Like later in the evening, I have like four really short clips or five really short clips. Um, and I, it was I cut the whole nine hours into one hour segments. And then I went through each hour s- separately to see what I could pull. And it was fascinating to do it that way because I labeled them all per hour because you really saw the arc of this yes. jubilation of we're going to take over the country. This is it. This is our moment to wait. Florida. Florida was good. Everybody loves Ron DeSantis to like, mm-hmm. this can't be happening. And then they start fighting with each other. And that was kind of hilarious. No, it's, then, it's beautiful. It's it's porn for yeah. the angels. It's, I mean, <laughs> honestly, Joey, this whole thing is porn for the I, I, I thought God bought lube the other night. It was so much porn for the angels. Uh, let me let me just play, if I may, just a little bit from the other night, because uh it's 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 very special. Let's go with just just the first of your clips. Um, this isn't my favorite, but just to give you an idea of the but it was to frame it to frame it. the merry yeah. time they were having. Because uh, as this one goes on, you just hear the anchors start laughing together. This is uh, this is part one, Chris. This is things starting out so hopeful on Fox News. It was very interesting to be sitting with my colleagues of the five, as I'm sure it is for you in many ways to think about how this midterm cycle has really been going on for since January 20th of 2021. And the, the history repeats itself. Midterms are usually won by the opposing party from the president. I think one of the most interesting things tonight is to watch this Fox News voter analysis. This Washington and many of the states across the country are going to have a lot of changes when they wake up tomorrow or by the end of the week when we have final results. And some a lot of what informs their decisions going forward on how to govern the country, what the people are asking for, if government is responsive to the people, mm-hmm. it will have to really take a listen to what people are saying in that Fox News voter analysis. It's oh, very yeah. interesting tonight. The Fox News voter analysis, folks. Competition now between Mr. Trump and Governor DeSantis, which has Here's been human you know, pustule Brit obvious Hume. in the last couple of days. Big, if it's a big, big night for DeSantis and his running mates in Florida, uh, that would sharpen that competition a bit, give Mr. Trump something to think about. Yes, it would. And it's, we're going to focus on 2022. <laughs> but you're right. But that, that, that's a story <laughs> to watch. There's no doubt about it. We've got a long time. It's out there. Got Brit's got a twinkle in his journalist he eye does. right there. Ah, <laughs> uh, you rogue. You rogue, Brit Hume. Um, Joey, the anchors at Fox News <laughs> can be forgiven for being so smugly self-assured about this because they were fed the same media narrative and polling we had for months, uh, for the last, I'd say, month and a half to two months that it was going to be a red tsunami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know who came up with that. Usually, you know, a political consultant tries to manage expectations uh, by understating them, not overstating them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who's getting fired. I don't know who's getting fired in the Republican uh, Party uh, this week or next week. 
but I was very surprised uh, to see, um, uh, you know, just how joyful they were coming up to um, uh, Election Day. I mean, I live in a very blue state of uh, New Jersey, and I live in a red county, uh, so I see everyday people who are very Republican and talking, and they were very excited about this red oh, wave, which really turned out to which really turned out to be nothing more. I mean, there was a slight trickle that impacted some of the local races in New Jersey, uh, but yes. nothing compared to what the expectation was. And usually those expectations are managed much better than the Republicans did this time around. <laughs> Um, Ju- Juliet, I think that's very well borne out in the second clip you ran from hour number two, which um, brings Fox News's court jester Jesse Waters out to predict <laughs> how many seats the Republicans will have in the Senate and where he says that he thinks they'll pick up over. Do, do you want to say the number? How many House seats Jesse predicts here? Um, I think he says 54 or no, 54 House seats, I think he says 54 in the Senate. I can't remember exactly what he 40 said. Plus. Was, here's, yeah, 40 plus. Here's Jesse Waters uh, with predicting 40 plus House seat gain. And he got recognized at his polling place in New York City. Give a listen Edward, to this. Thank you. What do you think this election? Then? Well, all I have are anecdotes and they're positive anecdotes. And I saw Miami-Dade go red. And that's a pretty big deal. I think that's a pretty big deal. And Hemmer told me that if you get two of the three of the Virginia House races go Republican, we're looking at a wave. And if you get three of the three Republican, you're looking at a tsunami. So I'm still hearing positive things about Republican turnout there. And I'm hearing very positive anecdotes from Nevada. Am I saying that correctly, <laughs> Mr. Rove, Nevada? I think I am. Yes. So oh, Carl I Rove. predicted on the five Ed on Jesse Waters primetime, 53, maybe 54 if Republicans get New Hampshire. Uh, but the anecdotes that I'm seeing uh, and, and the early data shows me that we're looking at 53, possible 54 in the Senate and maybe get up to as high as 240 plus House seats. Do. Oh, okay. I've I've heard enough. Juliet, it's it's beautiful. Grit, what what? I just don't believe after hearing him say it so many times, I don't believe that he understands what the an anecdote is. He does not. (laughs) Well, it's Jesse Waters. Shiny things confuse him. Uh, I I always wonder who's dumber, Kilmeade, Kilmeade, or Jesse Waters. It's hard. Oh no, Jesse Waters is dumber. Kilmeade. (laughs) Kilmeade knows he's sold his soul. I I know Kilmeade. He knows (laughs) that what he's been shoveling for the last four years. But Jesse Waters really believes it. Joey, as you know, Democrats won governor's races in Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania. Uh, They won full control of Michigan for the first time in 40 years, full control of Minnesota. And uh, they avoided a GOP supermajority in the Wisconsin legislature. It went okay. Well, you you know, John, I did I did predict a blue wave. I predicted a blue wave uh, this time around. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, <laughs> again, look. I, I think you know what it. I, I think what it comes down. What it comes down to is, you know, in the 1974 midterms for for Richard Nixon, which was right in the beginning. You know, right after the middle of Watergate. I mean, I think he won a hand. They lost a handful of seats, and that was a that was supposed to be a huge. Um, uh, uh, you know, changeover, and they didn't even reach that. You know, you're right. Um, so I, I think a lot of it had to do with Gen Z voters uh, coming out, as we mentioned previously. I mean, younger voters coming out. 
um, who don't really identify necessarily with a political party, but I think they uh, identify with issues a lot better. And I just want to say, Juliet, I love the fact that you stayed up, watched Fox News for, you know, the eight or 12 hours. I hope that you washed yourself in Purell afterwards to get rid of any, <laughs> anything that impacted you. Um, I, I, I myself, as a comedian, as a uh, political activist, I have been to um, CPAC any number of times. I've been to Trump rallies uh, two or three times, walking amongst these people. And um, I really like listening to what they have to say, but I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if I could ever just watch Fox News for eight or ten hours. I, I give you a thumbs up on that. <laughs> I'm used <Very> to nice. it. <laughs> Well, then let me play this one because I, I want to skip to where they start melting down, but I've got to play this the third hour where they bring out the Tucker. big guns and Tucker Carlson's private Tucker jet Carlson. lands. And Tucker <laughs> is, is, is carried there by a bunch of serfs. And he suggests that Latinos are so racist, as racist as Fox News, that they were disgusted that Democrats thought George Floyd's life mattered. And that's why they're gradually over decades trending more GOP. And then he uses both sides isms to defend burning down our entire system of government. Just listen to the, the last moment before things started to turn. You just said a moment ago, a different Democrat coalition. And I think that, that depending on where this all goes tonight, we're just looking at some of the early results right now, um, that might be one of the big stories that really emerges from this moment, where we're seeing groups that have been courted by Democrats for a gen more than a generation who are oh, now wow. making a choice that is not based on the box that they have been told they belong in and who they should vote for, but they are, you know, interested in all the same things that all Americans are interested in because well, they're Americans. Exactly. That's exactly right. And it, it's really a hopeful outcome, I would say. And I'm not saying that as a partisan. I'm saying it because <laughs> you don't want a country where it's white men against everybody else. And that really was the dream of the Democratic Party. That's the politics they hope to create. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing is instead NPR listeners versus everyone else, right? <laughs> so you, in the end, you're gonna have a Democratic coalition that's only people with pledge drive tote bags mm -hmm. versus the whole country. <laughs> and they're not gonna win if that's- it, it just is an indictment, I think, not of just the other side, but of the White House's approach to this election. If you were focused on issues that were on social media, issues like abortion, guns, climate, etc., I think you lost uh, the forest for the trees. You were paying attention to issues that might matter to your progressive base online, but they're not present at the kitchen table where people are trying to make ends meet and where they Noting do pride. That Vance was one of the one of the candidates who had mm. criticized McConnell. Right. Mm. And McConnell weighs in with PAC money that he rounds up. Okay, so you guys, you guys get the idea, right? right? The and they, they got Larry Kramer coming out of a crypt, and they've—I mean, I mean—they've uh, got—they've got, uh, uh, you know, so many different Republicans. I mean, Mark Penn comes out of a crypt. Juliet, when when did it start feeling like the dream was beginning to unravel? Would that be hour five to six? It was five. They were more in denial. That was Ingram, and she was—I have notes, so we could keep yes. track of this. So she talks about Florida. And Ron DeSantis and how wonderful Florida was. And that was Laura Ingram. So she was trying desperately to hold on. And then really hour six, I called it reality sets in, where they start to realize there's something seriously wrong. And the quote that I think 
there's Tucker's in two of these tweets and in three Tucker Tucker is the one that he makes a comment where he says the reason why Florida went the way it did is because Democrats misunderstood by going all in for BLM. That was the racist comment. (laughs) So he's basically saying because Democrats supported Black Lives Matter, they lost the Latino vote as if there was no overlap between the Latino and black community, because, of course, there is. Latinos are as offended by the notion that Black Lives Matter as we are here at Fox News. Yeah, I mean, it's this whole idea that they're just trying to pit groups against each other, as they always do, and that we're all in these camps and we all hate each other. And, you know, and of course, poor white men, which is his ultimate oppressed group, which I made fun of him on Twitter about that, because he's always lamenting the plight of, you know, white men. <laughs> let, let me skip ahead a little bit and play hour five to six when this is starting to happen, because, you know, by hour four, Brit Hume starts, you know, insulting Trump, but won't say Trump's name. He refers yes. to Trump, you know, in abstract ways without actually saying his name because they're too scared to offend the frothing, slobbering goober base. By hour five to six, they're talking about who spent too much money in what states. And Mark Penn comes out of a crypt and blames Trump for picking crazy Senate candidates. Listen to this clip. Republicans have to be a little disappointed. They're going to likely win the House. But we, we talked about earlier. Pretty sure, uh, but New Hampshire. Right, I know. But 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 let's, let's just still the facts here. New Hampshire has gone Democrat. Pennsylvania doesn't look great. This thing could come down to Georgia. And we now got to wait for out west. Um, again, this is I, I call balls and strikes. At least I try my hardest to. It, <laughs> I, I think it's it's been commented on here this evening uh, that this is we are a divided country, closely divided country So in Pennsylvania. Fetterman is looking good that we don't know. Wisconsin is tighter than we thought. North Carolina is tight. Ohio, J.D. Vance seems to be pulling away. That's because Mitch McConnell spent $32 million trying to save a seat. Oh, in Ohio, the Mitch McConnell's fault. That Mitch is McConnell's fault. Republican territory, currently held Republican territory. So in order to have the status quo ante, they have to run the table and win all four of those, of those races. If they lose one of them, like in Pennsylvania, that means they have to pick one up in Nevada, Arizona, uh, Georgia. New Hampshire now is off the table. Washington state in order to keep a 50-50 Senate. So there's a huge opportunity cost because we spent $32 million to save that seat in Ohio. That is money that could have been spent in Arizona. That's money that could have been spent in New Hampshire. That's money that could have been spent in Washington state to try and help Tiffany Smiley with an Uh upset. So there's a huge opportunity cost in picking these candidates who were running far behind the governors in their states, who were running by, you know, anywhere from eight to 20 points. Um, and and because we had to spend that money, we're now looking at a possibility of an, keeping either a 50-50 Senate or maybe just barely missing or losing a seat. I mean, this is a this is a it's a it's a lesson that the Republican Party is going to have to look at how this yeah. finally shapes out. Hey, Bill. Well, I think so far it's a shift to the Republicans. Here's but Mark not Penn, human troll. I think the House gets a clear <laughs> rebuke for overspending, inflation, and the economy. Yeah, but it's their fault. I also think that on the Senate the. Particularly, the Trump candidates are struggling. And I, I, to me, this looked like Florida was an, a real wave for the Republicans, an affirmation of DeSantis as a potential Republican presidential candidate. And I think this puts Donald Trump in a very difficult position. So here's my question to you guys. The bright, shining silver lining to the Republicans taking back the House to me is let the infighting begin not only with only a single digit lead you are going to see so many right-wing factions make kevin mccarthy's life a living hell and now we're already seeing right-wing factions in the senate say that we should put off voting whether mitch mcconnell is still our leader until after the georgia runoff in a month 
the civil wars in the Republican chambers have already begun. Uh, look, I, I completely I think you hit the nail on the head, John, because every time the Republicans take over Congress, uh, they figure out how to screw something up and it bounces back to Democrats. And the 2024 election, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the Democrats uh, figure out who they should run for president other than Joe Biden. I like Joe Biden, but I don't think that he should be the candidate in 2024, which is another discussion. But I really mm-hmm. do think that what's going to end up happening in the media and what's going to happen to people's opinions is they're going to have buyer's remorse for putting the Republicans in charge. And especially if there's like that very thin, what are they talking about, like 220, 221 seats, that very thin margin of, of leadership, plus all the right wing people like, go, you know, uh, I think it really will be a very good thing for the Democrats uh, in the story that they need to tell. I hope the Democrats can pull it together by that. Juliet? Oh, yeah. Jeff, they're already talking about that exact thing on The Five, They've been, dis- which is a show on Fox News. Where they discuss they discussed um, how when you have a very slim majority, it makes the speaker's life absolute hell because it's exactly if, what if happened. If the speaker if the speaker is not a real leader like Pelosi, yeah, Pelosi can move mountains with a single yeah. digit lead. Yeah. But, but Kevin yeah. McCarthy, he's not going to be able to get these guys to agree on what should be on the lunch menu. I mean, yeah. there's already a significant movement to make Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan. Mm-hmm. The face of the uh, and, and I I agree. I think Jim Jordan deserves it. I think any man who would be accessory to child rape like Jim Jordan, um, I think he deserves to be the face of this party. And he is the obvious successor to Denny Hastert. That's just yeah. me. <laughs> can I play? It's can bad. I play? Can I play one last clip then? This is this is um, yes. hour seven to eight from Juliet's uh, thread. And here's where the infighting starts. The numbers are getting worse. A visibly drugged Brit Hume openly admits nothing will get accomplished if the Republicans only have a narrow majority. And Kellyanne Conway has a slap fight at Juan Williams and starts ranting about how irrelevant Joe Biden is while Joe Biden is dancing on his desk across town. This is hour seven to eight thought, of course, that Virginia might be a state where Republican pickups would signal a wave. Right. And, it, you know, we, it, they may win the Luria race, right? Kiggins may win. She's ahead. Yes. But the other two look like they've gone the other way. So that, right. it, that tells us something about across the country or, or, or doesn't tell us something well, exactly. across the country. How we read it. Let's go down to Washington. Uh, you were following this very closely, the, all three of those races, what this means. Uh, and it does look like the GOP is heading towards a House majority, but we just don't know how big. Yeah, Virginia, too, is a majority maker type district for Republicans. Seven and ten would have been wave makers and tsunami makers, respectively. But it looks like the mm-hmm. Democrats have held on to both of those districts. It's looking so, like a dog oh, so fight. no wave, if no tsunami? If there's a national wave building for the Republicans, it hasn't oh. quite materialized yet. It might do so later into the <laughs> evening. But, you know, a big blowout red wave early on, it's not happening. I just don't see Here's Kevin Williams. McCarthy as Nancy Pelosi. And I think Chad Pergram. Uh, neither do I. I. I just, I <laughs> yeah, just don't no, see no, that happening. I, I just don't see it. He's not going to spend money that. Yeah, he's not going to. He's not. Uh, you know, You're the right. prowess, the ability to get something done with a narrow margin, I think, is much that's more it. difficult. I think that's why we went through Paul Ryan, John Boehner, and others in trying to do that with the Republican caucus, and it's just, it's proven very difficult. So, how much it's is he going to be able to do anyway? I mean, he's got. If they, yeah. if they only win one house. 
nobody's going to be able to do much of anything. Correct. Able to block yeah. Everybody. So, you know, <laughs> That's a problem for Joe Biden, though. And, That's and mainly a problem. Yes, for Joe Biden. I mean, he's going to become irrelevant almost immediately, and there's going to be a reckoning in his party as to whether they can even have him run for re-election. He wants to. Why not? My, oh, but wait so a second. You get the idea. Irrelevant. Oh, here's. Okay, well, so so you get the idea. Um, it's in disarray. Their expectations were dashed. The media was wrong. And to me, the biggest takeaway from all of this is, and I've said this every night leading up to the election, we can't trust polling anymore. The polling people yeah. are very nice, but the methods have changed. It's not a world of landlines anymore. People don't pick up calls. They don't know. Polling isn't accurate. I mean, Joey, what's your biggest takeaway? from uh, this night of, uh, this week Um, of unexpected results. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I I don't really, I mean, I've run two congressional races uh, myself, one a primary and one a uh, a general. And when it came to actually uh, sitting down with our pollster that we hired, and I look across the table and I said, so how do you actually get somebody to pick up the phone to ask them if, if they're not picking up landlines. And they, they gave me a very circuitous, you know, labyrinthian answer about these, about how they get people to pick up cell phones, which right. in the middle of the race, I did, didn't get it at all. And I don't think we got very accurate polling uh, back then. Um, and, think, and and that was like eight years ago. And I think things have gotten worse. I just, I think most people, I mean, I, I've, I've not had a landline probably in eight years, seven years. That's most what I'm talking about. Don't. And you, yeah, exactly. So how do they find out these, these numbers uh, that they're putting up for, for races? I just don't get it. Juliet, before the break, what's your biggest takeaway from all of these shocks we've had all week? I would agree completely. It's polling is, doesn't mean anything anymore and nobody should rely on it. And I, because of my work, had to follow 538 every single week and write down the spread between every single candidate that was being pushed a lot on Fox. Nothing was accurate except for like the obvious ones, like DeSantis one. Okay, yeah, duh. Right. You know, and other than that, it was like, a camp was not really a shocker either. But it, it was just way, 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 way off. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Well, we have to take a quick break. Can you guys stay with us till the top of the hour? I want to be able to plug everything you're doing and tell people how they can follow you and get some final thoughts on this. Uh, I have really enjoyed going through night by hour by hour on election night, how Fox News went from uh, smug denial to angry, bitter denial. And it's a beautiful arc. We'll be right back. Your calls as well at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Let me go back to the phones. Tom in New York, you've been on hold forever. Thank you for your patience. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Hello. Great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm glad. I listen during the day most of the time. I understand. But, uh, but I'm actually getting to listen live tonight. So uh, oh, thank I have you. a drinking game. I have a drinking game for Trucker Steve. Okay. Uh, and, and it's not for all of the listeners, but for listeners like me who listen at work. This is a, a good one, Please. I think. Okay. Um, every time he says, actually, take a drink. Well, now, come on. I, I, we all have our word fillers. God knows I have mine. But okay, go on. What else? Yeah, but, also, but it also applies to all of them. Kendall, also, they all do it. <laughs> actually. And also okay. both sides. If they say both sides, they say actually. So tonight, yeah. it would have been two and a half. Because he, he did actually twice. And he did, uh, well, actually. And then he caught himself. <laughs> 
Both anyway. sides is my drinking game with the entire media, but I'm, I'm with you, definitely. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but la- last week, you had started to say that you were going to talk about uh, the whole James Corden, Ricky Gervais joke thing, and then you never I got around know, to it. No, we didn't get around to it. Are, shall, shall we play so, it, Chris? Do we, do we have it ha- I, I, handy? Go ahead. Go ahead. What, what's your comment, Tom? Uh, well, I was really curious what your thoughts on it were. So, Well, for those who haven't heard and, and, it yet, And also Chris. So really curious on Chris's thoughts on it as well. Well, let, let's, let's play it for those who didn't hear it. Now, this is a joke that... that now, again, it, to be to be this audacious a thief, I mean, I, I don't think Corden has so taken leave of his senses that he would knowingly do this when everybody could call him out because Ricky Gervais wasn't trying this out in a club. He did it in a major special. But let's just play a little bit. This is this is broken up. This is the edit of uh, James Corden completely copying almost word for word a Ricky Gervais bit and doing it on TV like no one's going to notice. If someone puts up a poster in a town square that says, guitar lessons available. That's like going into a town square, seeing a big notice board, and there's a notice, guitar lessons. Like, you don't get people in the town go, I don't want to play the guitar! And you go, but I don't fucking want guitar lessons. Well, then that sign wasn't for you. It was for somebody else. You don't have to get mad about all of it. It's not for you then. Just walk away. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, um, I've listened to it several times now, and a couple days later he was accused of stealing uh, a Noel Fielding joke. Noel Fielding's a comic in the UK, like word for word again. Uh, He said, uh, James Corden denied it was a thievery. He said, obviously, I didn't know it came from him. Look, he's going to have to carry the shame no matter what. But I find it hard to believe he he would think he could actually rob it and get away with it. I think, like Robin well, Williams, obviously- maybe he was just being sloppy and thought he had made it up. I don't know. Go ahead. What's you, what do you think, uh, Tom? What, what seems obvious to me is his writing staff hates him. Because oh, that seems to yeah. me like it, it, it was a prearranged bit. You know, yeah. like, like, I don't, I, I, like no, no, I don't think he writes these jokes. I mean, you know, like Thea writes your best bits. Always, you know, the host yes. doesn't write the host doesn't write, you know, the the, the best jokes. But uh, but don't you think? But yeah, don't you think? Don't you think if if one of his staff had written that and put it into a script, that he would have told us all by now, and that writer would have been fired? Don't you think he would have uh, done that damage control by now in a very public way? I I, I don't know. It, it it doesn't seem to me like he's very good at damage control the last few weeks. Yeah, fair so point. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, he got hit so hard on social media that Ricky Gervais actually felt sorry for him publicly. Uh, but I, I, I look, I understand how you can inadvertently think that something you heard is yours. I mean, this happens in music all the time with riffs and melodies. But but it's just sure guitar lessons yeah, every- like like literally the point, the joke, the voice, the inflection, all of it was a straight up copy. It, it, it's, it's word for word basically his joke so so somebody wrote that into a script and you can't tell me that entire writing staff read that and no one said oh wait a minute that reminds me of the ricky gervais bit i know like i know it's really does it really does seem to me like institutional sabotage (laughs) i think ricky gervais i I think i think james corden paid eight dollars uh so now he can identify as ricky gervais in public chris did you have any thoughts on this plagiarism here because i think in the big picture it's going to make other hacks uh much more hesitant to steal someone's work but what what did you think of all this mr house 
Um, I think that he should lean into it. I think that he should steal Bill Hicks's uh, bit on advertising and marketing. Mm, very like, good. Is anyone here working <laughs> advertising? Kill yourself. No, seriously. <laughs> just planting seeds. Just plant, you know, someday it'll take root and grow. Kill yourselves, really. I'm not joking. It's not a bit. Kill yourselves. Love anyway. it. You know, I, uh, I actually, I, I heard, I heard Gordon, that James Corden feels so bad. He's going to do a televised address to defend himself uh, against charges of plagiarism by talking about the family dog checkers. That's it. That's his plan. Um, I'm sorry, Chris. I totally <laughs> cut you off. Well, he's so upset about this whole flap, he, he slapped a waiter. <laughs> I heard oh, he threw a phone like, at an assistant. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, the, 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 the whole thing about the, 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 the uh, restaurant, it was an egg yolk omelet that was the, uh, the screw-up. Am I wrong about that? It was an egg yolk omelet that he was complaining about, not an egg white omelet? Yes, that's what, my understanding. All, all yolks? He wanted an, an yeah. egg yolk omelet. In other words, not an egg white omelet, but a, a yellow egg yolk omelet. That's what he was mad about. Glad his A1Cs are doing great. I don't understand. Listen, I, I again, I don't know any of this is true. I don't know what the deal is with him being banned from a restaurant. It's none of my business. I just, I don't like people who are mean to waiters. That's my deal. Or cab drivers. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Look, I mean, James Corden, um, he's a very funny guy. And if he does this kind of fuckery he's going to pay for it we'll see what happens you know i believe he feels bad and i believe in my heart he will never plagiarize again if he has a chance to again yeah probably not out of terror yeah we'll see but thank you tom for bringing it up because you're right we were going to play it last week and then wouldn't you know it uh news got kind of crazy between twitter <laughs> yeah turning into a toxic burn pit dumpster fire uh, so thank you, you so much though, for pointing it out uh, what's that oh, well i just went to my doctor's office dr video boom bots <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing so great. I said, Doctor, what's wrong with me? He says, you're still alive. <laughs> it's a big club, and you're not in it. I just want a place for my stuff, okay? A place for my stuff. Yeah, he's going to rip off everybody. My name is Mudbone. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for the call. So, and then he said, I made a British Mudbone reference. Go ahead, what? So he says, I don't know. That's third base. <laughs> we got we to gotta hit a break. When we come back, J James Corden rips off more of the greats and your calls at 866-997-4748. We're at 866-997-4748. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, and thank you guys so much for your patience on hold. Bob in California, welcome. Uh, yeah, John. Yeah, I went to the fire show there with oh, Stephanie thank you. and at the, the crowd, and I really liked, liked it. it. I thank took you. my daughter, who's 40 years younger than I am, to give you an idea. Is she, st is she still speaking to you? <laughs> yes, she is. She, she okay, really good. liked it. Oh, but I'm then, so glad. Thank you. The, the mistake I made was I bought, I spent the $20 to buy the, uh, so I could still watch it over and over. Right. And I showed it to a lady friend of mine here. And all she could talk about was how good looking you were. No way. Then did she mean me or Hal Sparks? Did she mean me or no, Hal? Cause... Not Hal. Said, oh, it was you. Because Hal's you the know, one gets the ladies. Let me tell you. Well, you know, and that's that's really not the reason I called in. Well, that's okay. You made my night. Thank your lady friend for me. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, she's she's very good. A lot better looking than I am. Put it that way. <laughs> but, <laughs> and the Hunter Biden thing. 
is, I don't know if it's from the Bible, which I really envy the amount you know about that, but it seems like that the son might have to pay for the sins of the father, but the father never had to pay for the sins of the son. Mm -hmm. And my dad was very, very straightforward, kind of very straight. And uh, when I was in my 20s, back in the 70s, I was very not, you know, in... My dad was mayor of a small town we lived in, but he didn't have to pay for the things that I did. Right. Thank God for him. And uh, let me see this. Oh, and the other thing is you were talking about about the uh, the margin on the price of oil, that one redneck that called in. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. not a redneck, but go on. Well, I've got worse words, but I won't use those. But the only thing that you kind of, you miss, I never thought there would ever be something you would miss that I wouldn't. What is, what's but, that? But you didn't, you didn't talk about that it was the highest margin and the highest profits they made in history. You're right. You, you know, and that, that, because the, the margin to most of us, you know, I actually do know a little about mathematics, but the okay. margin still wouldn't mean anything to me. It's like when somebody says, well, that was a percentage of something. And right. If they don't tell you what percent, it could be 1% or 99%, which I are see. two really different things. You know, and uh, let me see. Well, thank you for thank you for bringing that up then, because uh, that's an argument we're all going to be having quite a bit over the next few months, I think. Yeah. Or maybe, I, we'll all, or maybe we're all going to start arguing about different things now that the elections no. are finally over. Or maybe we can just breathe a bit and watch the Republicans tear each other apart for the next year. Oh. I already am breathing a bit. And oh, also, yeah. when I'll believe there's a gas shortage is when I see a line. I don't know if you're old enough Thank you. to remember I'm old the enough. Lines. I remember the lines. Oh, yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, I remember I remember my dad's many, temper on those lines. lines. I, I'm out here in, near San Diego, but I, I have not seen one gas station I couldn't have driven right in and got gas. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's not those a shortage. Days, there was days when it was odd and even license numbers and and or they'd run out of gas by the time you got up in line back in the seventies. Mm. And uh I don't even believe there is a shortage at all. No, the there's $2 not two million dollars that went to what's his name? The son in law. Yep. You know, from, the son in law. From 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 the Jamal Khashoggi murder. He's got plenty yeah. of money. From yeah, uh, from yeah, Mohammed yeah, bin Salman, the guy chopped up in the barrel or news guy. Good times, know, and uh, just the whole thing. But but uh, I really wanted to to tell you I love the show, Bob. Thank you. And I say I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm glad I spent the twenty bucks to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're very kind. Thank you. What's her number, by the way? No, no, I don't want it. No, Bob, thank you very, very much. Have a great evening. Let's go. And guys, we're, we're getting a little tight on time, so I'm going to ask everyone to make your comments or your jokes or your threats as tight as possible. Cheryl in Michigan, hello. I grew up in Michigan, and in 1979, I left because I couldn't get a, find a job, and I moved to Chicago. I lived there seven years. Then I moved to Georgia for 33 years. Wow. And then I finally had to come back here because um, my uh, landlady sold my apartment and I couldn't find some place to live that I could afford. Oh, my. But uh, while I was gone, a lot of crazy things went here, on here in Michigan, like the Flint water tobacco and all kinds yes. of insane stuff. Which my theory on that is the um, people who were voting 
Democratic, um, the uh, miners in the um, Upper Peninsula and the uh, manufacturing people, including the auto workers, and the Lower Peninsula had to leave because they couldn't, you know, find jobs in Michigan. I don't, you know, I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's my theory. Wow. Okay. Anyway, but I, I finally moved back here in 2019, um, which when I got here, uh, Gretchen was still governor, but we still yeah. had, uh, you know, Republican majority in the House and the Senate. That's right. But um, that's no longer true. No, your state flipped. this election. That's right. And I feel like I, I have come home to the Michigan I knew and loved. Oh, that's so nice. Because when I first came back here, it didn't seem much like that. I agree. Cheryl, thank you for the call. Hang on to that feeling, please, because you deserve to feel it. It's it's really beautiful. I'm I'm really enjoying feeling like I'm in a functioning democracy a little bit this week. I'm not used to feeling that way in midterms. I'm sorry to be tight, but I want to get to everybody if we can. Let me go to Amir in California. Hello. Hi. Uh, Hi. Can you hear me okay? I sure can, yeah. Hi, uh, my name's Amir. I'm a you... first-time caller. Oh, okay. Hello. Thank you. And uh, before I get to my point quickly, I just want to say I just I discovered XM, Sirius XM Radio a few months ago, and I was so happy to rediscover Stephanie Miller and you. Oh, so, thank you. So that really made it um, more pleasant. But my comment is, do you really think that they will try to impeach Biden if, assuming they get like a five person majority because i think nancy pelosi could definitely convince republicans not to go along with it i think she could as well what i think is that there'll be several who have promised their constituents they will and it is a cult of selfishness they only care about themselves i I think what you'll see is a lot of different congressional investigations of joe biden and that will be something that will drive the headlines for the right-wing news machine for Fox and for, for Newsmax. And, and they'll have tons of investigations. They'll do what they did in Benghazi. They won't actually have an impeachment, but they'll try to just create scandals because they're not going to have any kind of things they're doing to help people mm-hmm. that they can talk about. What do you okay. think? What do you predict? Well, well you know, I'm, I'm a, a bit skeptical on the investigations as well. And that, and because I, I see this because, you know, with such a very, very slim majority, the Republicans must know that this is not what the people want. But then again, when have the Republicans ever acted in the people's interest in the first place? But it works. But it, but it works. Look at all the Obamacare repeal votes. We thought those were silly. Seventy times they voted to repeal Obamacare. Seventy times they failed. They knew it would fail. They were doing it to rile up the base. Again, they had nothing to offer these people legislatively, but we're going to vote again to get rid of this Obamacare. Now, you know, a dozen years later, you got North Dakota voting to overrule their Republicans to have Obamacare. They'll do it for the scandal. What are they going to impeach him for? Withdrawal from Afghanistan? I hope they do. I'd love to have a dialogue about how Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo carved that country up and gave it to the Taliban. I'd love to have Republicans learn about this for the first time. I I, I don't think they've got anything on him. So I don't know what they could impeach him for. This is going to be a lot of loud, noisy investigations to drive the right wing news cycle. But the beautiful part of it is that Fox News is now begging the Republicans not to do the uh, impeachment or the investigation. You're right. You're right. Yes, sir. Amir, you're a gentleman. I really appreciate the call, and I hope you'll call us more often. I got to run because we're tight on time, but thank you. Let me go really quick, and thank you guys for making your comments so tight. Uh, Mitch in Kent State, hello. 
Hey, John. Uh, you know, James Corden, he's so fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You should write that down. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and, John, uh, I think I mentioned this last year or year before. Kurt Vonnegut also uh, co-wrote that song, Nice, Nice, Very Nice, by Ambrosia. Uh, That's right. And, How could I forget the Ambrosia song he co-wrote? Yeah, right. Um, kind of a... Uh, Lofty tune, but related uh, to one of his books, uh, Cat's Cradle. But uh, that's right. It, otherwise, still a great tune. And then, John, you know, real quick, uh, listen to PBS NewsHour tonight, and uh, Capehart and uh, Brooks were going back and forth. But Capehart had a good one here. Uh, he said that uh, the preferred party uh, that was sort of out of touch, uh, I mean, what he was saying was that uh, voters preferred the party that was uh, maybe a bit out of touch over a party that was out of their minds. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it came down to that, and then, you know what? Boring wins. And I think that's the other thing: is that boring wins. Let's, you know, uh, you know you're right. I, I think a lot of moderate Democrats um, really were proven right by not running as overly progressive, but by saying, hey, look at that lunatic they're running against me. I'm just a normal Democrat. I, I don't want to defund the police. Uh, just just care about health care. And I'll tell you, when you're running against crazies, that message works sometimes. Right. Look, I would have loved it if Bernie Sanders or Liz Warren had become president, but I predicted in 2017 that Biden-Harris was the Democratic ticket most likely to win the presidency because yep. that was the right moderate ticket. And, and they wound up being much more progressive than any of us could have thought. Yep. They say uh, right, right down the middle. And, uh, you know, well, I think that's part of the reason why maybe uh, uh, as far as, uh, you know, the race is here. But, uh, you know, I, I still, uh, and, and by the way, Ryan's uh, uh, concession speech, just beautiful. If anybody gets a chance to listen to it. I know. He's you know, a class act, that guy. I just, uh, you know, just uh, props to him for being a class act. And uh, hopefully that, you know, that uh, it would make a comeback. But uh, Hey, you know what? On the, day that we, on the day that we lose Gallagher, props to us all. May there be props for all of us. <laughs> Good Mitch, thank you very much for the call. Uh, really quick, we have time for a, a very quick call. Stephen in Kentucky, we got to keep it tight. Hello. Hello, how are you this evening? Very good, sir. How are you? Well, I'm doing all right. I wanted to mention a couple of things. You know, the press is really pissing me off, quite frankly. Okay. You know, I, I have to say this, because the other night when I was watching the returns, you know, they had 7% reported, and then they called it for Rand Paul the other evening. Okay. I mean, only 7 fucking percent. And to be perfectly frank... I saw Dina, what's her name, in, in uh, Nevada, who won okay. the con her congressional office just a moment ago, and mm -hmm. they didn't even add it to the totals. And CNN, I tell you, I don't know who the hell's running that show now. I stopped watching them when Chris Cuomo was fired. And ever since that time, you know, they have Trump's amateur hour on there and that horrible scott jennings i think he thinks he's one of those ron howard types you know <laughs> which he does which quite and i know who scott jennings is too he lives in my hometown he doesn't live very far away from me to be right but wait, was it not reasonable to presume that Rand paul would win re-election in the state of kentucky well, yeah, I knew he would, but at the same time, they could have sat there and postponed it a little bit, you know, I mean, but you know what really kills me, too, what? is I really would like to see 
a Gretchen Whitmer Val Demings ticket in 2024 or 2028. I think the two of them talk about woman power. They would whip the, their asses. They would oh, the, those Republicans, as far as I'm concerned. I think the two. I'd of love them to see it. I think Val Demings strong. Val Demings deserves to have a great future in politics ahead of her. I thought she ran a great campaign against Rubio, and she just annihilated him in that debate. I, I'd I'd love to see her just have much more high profile roles in our government. Well, and what is going on with Lauren Boebert is I, I think that guy, I saw that, you know, the votes come in and it seemed like Adam Frisch was really wiping the floor with her, you know, and I yeah. didn't see, I didn't uh, have a chance to see any more. I knew Kelly would win and Masto mm-hmm. will win too. I'm telling you, Let's she will. Let's hope so. And, Let's and, hope well, so. She, well, if you look at the votes coming in. Because if it's Masto wins, obvious. I know, but the great thing is, Stephen, we got to go if Masto wins and then Reverend Warnock wins, nobody cares what Joe Manchin does.